0: Hi, we're Grace and Clara, here to shake up the world of women's health.
1: We know firsthand how intimidating it can be to speak up when it comes to issues like your menstrual cycle or menopause.
0: That's why we create Unprocessed, a weekly podcast where we dive into every aspect of women's health, from mental well-being to physical nutrition. We're here to ask
1: the burning questions and encourage us all to advocate for ourselves.
0: So get ready for some smart, cheeky and witty discussions about all things women's health. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. You have Grace and Clara in your ears. And today we have invited Marion from Grassroots onto the podcast to discuss the intricate world of hemp and all the benefits that come with this powerhouse plant. But first, Clara, I recently watched the supermodel documentary that shows the highs and lows of the modelling world in the 90s. Now, as I watched this, I started reflecting on my own body and how I've always felt pressure as I've scrolled through social media or even back in the day when I used to buy Dolly and Cosmo magazines. And I've always felt like my body has never been good enough because I've never fitted into the current trends. Now I say trends in quotation marks. I have been battling this thought my whole life. And I have felt recently our body shapes are not fashion trends. And we need to turn the conversation around and talk about what is healthy and what feels healthy. Now, I do want to say that you can do whatever you want to your body. This isn't a conversation about that. This is a conversation around the quick turnaround of trends in this industry. For me, I feel like one, I can never keep up with them all. And two, I cannot afford it. I truly believe we need to turn this conversation around and talk about how our bodies feel rather than does my body fit this trend?
1: Yeah, I think this is a really tricky one as well. You know, I saw something around, I don't know if you've seen it, but the new Barbie trend, so the movie that obviously Barbie came out, everyone was talking about how positive it was in terms of female empowerment, and yet what ended up coming out was the way that Barbie looks um, across her collarbones and it's now, you know, there's now a whole trend about trying to change their collarbones now to look like Barbie. So this is something that again, that whole movie was about apparently female empowerment, and the only thing that came out of it was something based on someone's look. And really, I don't know if we are going to be able to change this very easily because it's almost such a a female rhetoric that we all talk about and this is the stuff that we should be also focusing on is breaking the cycle around our body. And I'm going to say something very controversial, and Grace, you're probably not going to agree with me, but I think it's equally as detrimental when we start talking about and idolising plus-sized models as well. So I'm a plus-sized person. So Mm. I would like to say this is coming from someone who has, you know, Has been plus size her whole life. I really struggle with this movement, and the reason I really struggle with it is exactly to your point. We don't talk about health. We don't talk about whether we're healthy or not. Um, And a lot of these plus size models are still being told that they have to be a certain weight. They have certain. They have to be a certain look. I don't feel like I sit within that look. I'm also. I'm still not in my. You know, six foot. Probably to be fair, they're body size at six foot is probably a lot healthier than, you know, Cindy Crawford's was for sure. But, you know, it's just so problematic that we seem to be going from one extreme to the other. There's no, there's no talk about just what we feel our body with, um, how we feel in our body. It's all about emphasizing body shape. And that's where I really struggle, even with plus size and with skinny models, that everything's around the body shape and how they look in clothes. And I don't feel like I embody that at all. And I know that that's really controversial.
0: No, I've actually, I've worked in the fashion industry. I used to work with plus size models and on photo shoots. And I can tell you, they have the same pressure as the size eight models or even more, because if they lose Mm. a bit of weight or gain a bit of weight, they're not counted in the plus size bracket anymore. So they lose work. So we're talking about the issue. We don't want to talk about our bodies and how they look. We want to talk about how we feel. And that's a big thing at I Quit Sugar. Our eight week program, for example, it's not necessarily about losing weight. It's about what foods make us feel good. So my question to you, Clara, is how do we change that conversation? You have a little girl and I don't like I had to deal with pressure like that growing up. And what are conversations Mm. that we can start having to kind of change this conversation around our bodies?
1: I think it's probably modelling behaviour. So maybe not having the conversation anymore, just taking it out, not talking about that kind of stuff. Um, And yet that's probably a naive way of looking at it as well, because realistically, we don't live in isolation. We're not the only people that talk to our, um, our children about their body shite. So what I found really fascinating, and again, this is probably a cultural thing as well. When I was talking to one of John's friend's wives, and she is Malaysian, and she's got two little boys and they're all eating dinner together, the same age as Kinsley, and they're all eating dinner together. And the boys were eating, you know, bread and butter. And I gave some to Kinsley just before she was going to eat vegetables and a few other things at the dinner table. So she is 10 months at this stage. And really food up until 12 months anyway is just learning how to eat and, understand, and just playing. It's a play thing. And one of the comments that she had, was oh to Kinsley, not to the her boys, but to Kinsley was oh, remember, don't eat too many carbs. Oh no, like we and need she's to 10 change. months the old, narrative. and like, and I, that's what I'm saying. It's not in isolation, right? So mm. we need to change the narrative around good food, bad food. You know what that implies, obviously, is that she can't eat too many carbs. She's a female. She shouldn't be eating too many carbs because it's going to put on weight again. You know, it doesn't matter what kind of carb that is, whether it's a good carb or, you know, it's just, it's so problematic. And it's it really is hard because as a generation, we need to stop this. Mm. Um, we need to stop it, how we talk to our children about it. But also, you know, social media, we need to, we need to be putting out what we want to see ourselves.
0: Hey, it's Grace here. Just want to quickly interrupt the episode to say... It's time to start nourishing you. Join the eight-week program and get eight weeks of easy, delicious meal plans with full shopping lists. And at $5.50 or under per serve, it couldn't be more affordable to eat healthy. Each week, we'll give you a range of meals to cook that are quick and easy to prepare with minimal waste. You don't have to be a master chef to enjoy these nutritious meals. Plus, fun online workouts, mentoring from industry experts, and access to our exclusive sleep school. Spots are limited. Join now. Now let's get back into the episode. Have you ever wondered how to get more goodness onto your plate with less effort? We have the answer, it's hemp. Now, when you first think of hemp, you might not think supplements or sprinkles for your salad, but our guest today breaks down the misconceptions about this powerhouse plant and shares how it is truly beneficial for our day-to-day lives. Grassroots has one simple mission, to make healthy easy with simple, sustainable habits the whole family will love. They have taken hemp products to the next level as they transform them into delightful, simple, inspired diet additions that happy dance you closer to wellness
1: with every bite. Marion, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. So you're from Grassroots. How did Grassroots come about?
2: Uh, yes, hi, Clara and Grace. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure being with you today. So Grassroots, I guess, is a brand that we've um, created even though we already had other health food brands and we were already in the hemp business but we really wanted to create a brand that was um more in line with what people want and so we believe that what people want is more nutritional support something that can slots easily in their routine and so that's why we decided to make grassroots which is you know, simple and nutrition at a reasonable price, sorry. And it can easily just be mixed or drizzled or sprinkled. Mm -hmm. And as we like to say, it's just um, more goodness for less effort. (laughs) We have a small range at the moment, but um, very simple and delicious. So we've got a few hemp products. We have hemp seed oil. We also have Mm -hmm. hemp seed capsules for the people who don't really like the taste of the oil. Um, We have what we call hemp hearts, which is just just like hemp seeds but without the shell, and it's really delicious and creamy and nutty. And then we have hemp protein powder. We have two types of protein, uh, one that is a 40% and one that is a 60% content. And then outside of our hemp range, we have um, cacao, um, chia, stevia, and all of our range, I think, uh, except the Australian hemp, because we also have the French hemp, is um, organic.
1: So for those at home who don't really understand hemp and haven't added hemp to their diet, what are the benefits of adding hemp, and why is it such an important um, industry now in the Australian market? I guess there's uh, two
2: different components to your question, so I'll I'll talk mm. more about the nutritional value first. Um. So hemp seed is what uh, we use for uh, food um, in human consumption and pet food as well. And I guess there's a lot of health benefits to it, but the two big ones that I'll talk about today are the fact that it's full of polyunsaturated fats and protein. Mm. So um, I'm not a nutritionist, but... (laughs) From what I know, so what we call polyunsaturated fats are the omegas, so omega-3, omega-6, omega-9. And um, the omega-3 and 6 are in the perfect ratio in in hemp seeds. So in the whether you consume it in the form of oil or, or in the form of a heart, you'll get a big mm. um, essential fat content, which your body actually cannot produce. And my understanding is that, you know, even though you could say, oh, yeah, well, but I can get omega-3 from fish oil, actually the form mm. of omega-3 that you get from fish oil is mostly DHA and EPA, but the one that you get from a plant-based oil like hemp is um, the ALA, which is um, the precursor to the EPA and DHA form. And your body cannot... Um, create those oils, so there's essential fats. So you absolutely need to source them in your diet. So that would be one amazing benefit of the hemp seed oil. And then the other great health benefit is its protein content because, Mm. um, you know, most of the plant-based proteins we find are actually deficient in essential amino acids. And so that makes them um, nutritionally incomplete. But the hemp protein is um, actually considered to be um, what we call a complete protein because it has all the nine essential amino acids, which are the actual building blocks um, for all the proteins. And same as the omegas, you know, your body just can't produce essential amino acids or fatty acids. Mm-hmm. So, um, eating hemp seeds is actually a great way to make sure that you get them um, from your diet. Then um, with your other question um, was, why is the industry growing? I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons for that, and that is that hemp is amazing. (laughs) You know, (laughs) hemp can do everything. Um, So it can do, obviously, it can do food, but it can also do cosmetics, it can do paper, it can do textile. and as far as I can see, um, it's it's really, really, really small in Australia at the moment.
0: And there's a lot, lot more potential to it. So how is hemp good for the environment?
2: Hemp is actually good for the environment because it is a carbon sink. So it absorbs more carbon from the atmosphere during its growth than um, whatever is emitted by the equipment used to harvest, process or transport it. And on top of that, already being, you know, like you start with a product that is carbon negative, like what else can be better than this? Absolutely. Um, You actually can use it to produce environmentally sustainable alternatives to a lot of existing products. So it can be used um, in uh, the regeneration of land uh, as carbon sequestration. And in the manufacture of biodegradable and non-toxic plastics, I think I think that it's just it's hard to beat. It's just really it's got all these incredible um, properties. So there's so many other reasons why it could be good for the environment. Like also the fact that it's a complete um, source of protein. We definitely need an alternative to meat protein. Well, there you go. Here's your protein.
0: Mm -hmm. it has so many benefits and the sustainability factor is so important as we go ahead and trying to cut down our carbon emissions and greenhouse gases so that's incredible that you're designing a product that we can consume
2: yeah absolutely i mean i wish we could do more with hemp um At the moment, like uh, as I was saying before, there's only so little that we're doing with hemp in Australia. Mm. We're really a little bit behind other countries, even China or Canada. Like there's such a huge application for it, but we don't really yet have um, all the necessary equipment in Australia. So the more we can get behind it and grow it, um, the better.
1: So obviously we've heard like, when everyone thinks of hemp they think of one thing right um which is probably the medicinal side of hemp so what's the difference between what is a food-based product for hemp and what is a medicinal side of hemp and obviously you know having hemp in your diet is there any of the extracts that you're getting you know what are some of the obviously for people that you know kind of have that fear around adding hemp to their diet because hemp is known for one thing you know what what are the differences between how you process the hemp for food-based products and what is you know I guess medicinal hemp in Australia?
2: Yes so I love that question actually (laughs) it's a very interesting one and um, I'll start by saying that so hemp is actually a word that we use to distinguish between um, hemp that is used for medicinal p- purposes, which we're going to call cannabis, and then hemp that is used for industrial purposes, so food, cosmetics, etc. Um, it is the same plant, so they're both actually called cannabis sativa, but like with any other plants like tomatoes, avocados, mangoes, there's different varieties of the plant. So the ones that we use for um, food or clothing or cosmetics are going to be varieties that are low in the molecule that is called THC, which is the molecule that most people would know by now is the one that is psychoactive and will make you high. But then the other difference is which part of the plant we use. So the part of the plant that we would use for medicinal use, for example, would be the flower. So you would extract the molecules from the flowers through different kinds of processes, and you'd make tinctures or oils or capsules, etc. And the molecules in the flower, there's hundreds of different molecules. THC is one, um, but there's uh, cannabinoid oil, which I think you all know by now, which is the really trendy CBD at the moment. And so these molecules are the ones that are used in medicinal extracts. In the food, you won't use the flour, you'll actually use the seeds. And so the molecules that are in the flour, flour do not exist in the seed. So there will be no cannabinoids whatsoever, no THC, no CBD, none of the other hundreds of molecules that you will find in the flower so what you'll find is what i was telling you before you'll find protein you'll find you know omegas you'll find um fiber even and all of those nutritional um values really but none of the other things that are used for medicinal purposes so it could be the same plant from a variety that is low thc but, you know, you can use the flour for the medicine, you can use the seeds for the food and the cosmetics, and you can use the stalk for um, the fibre, you know, for textiles or for paper or even for construction.
0: So continuing on from that, you talk about medicinal purposes. What would a person need um, or what condition would a person have to need these medicinal purposes of the hemp plant?
2: Um well, there's quite a few um you know in light of today's research that um uh recommended to use um medicinal cannabis for uh obviously there's a lot of misinformation out there like it's to cure all it cures cancer, it cures everything it's not really like that, so for people who have cancer um yes, they can take. Um, cannabis oil is it going to cure them? No, they need to follow whatever the doctor's recommendation is. However, it can help them greatly because it will help them you know sleep, it will help them reduce nausea if they have any effects from chemotherapy, et cetera, et etc. And so if they have increased appetite, if they can sleep, you know all of these are extremely important benefits. That will actually help them go through their treatment plan and feel better. And, and this is a very important side of healing in whatever condition, whatever condition you're going through. If you're not sleeping, if you're not eating, you know, and you're going through crazy treatments that are really attacking your body and your immune system, you know, that's just going to not, um, it's just going to make you deteriorate more. So that's one way that you can use cannabis um, with cancer. But other conditions where it's really been proven to be extremely effective, for example, would be epilepsy. Epilepsy, sorry, epilepsy, especially in children. There's a lot of research that shows that it's extremely beneficial and and helps with the well against the seizures. Um, then. It also is very recognized that it's um, an important inflammatory, especially cannabidiol, which is the other molecule, not THC. Um, So inflammation is there in so many different diseases. It's linked to a lot of autoimmune diseases. So there's a lot of research that's been done around um, multiple sclerosis and how it can support your immune system. So it has such a wide range of ways that it can help people But I think the biggest issue we have in this industry is that we try to really make it a pharmaceutical product that it has to be, um, you know, an exact extract of the exact same molecule in every time, and we expect it to have the same effect on people. But it's not like that. It's it's a plant. So as with any other plant medicine, you know, which is more in the realm of naturopath, we all know that it works synergistically. So And everybody's going to have different reactions because it's going to work with your body. And um, for that reason, I think this is what creates the most um, issues in the medicinal industry for it to grow and, and really develop is that there needs to be a proper understanding that we're trying to make this into a synthesized drug, but it really is a plant. So I'm hoping that at some point (laughs) the government will recognize this and help us grow this uh, the way it's supposed to. The way we see it as an industry anyway at the moment is that we see it as something um, that is possibly going to change in the next five years. Um, Potentially we might be going the same way Canada went, which is to make it you know, legally legal, recreationally, and that will maybe unblock the path. Uh, not that we're supportive of it being used for recreational purposes, mm. but if it's no longer listed as a Schedule 1, Schedule 9, sorry, drug in Australia, mm. um, then there's a lot more that could be done, you know. Then it could maybe become something. It has to stay regulated. I absolutely believe it has to remain regulated. Mm. Um, There's a lot of research that still needs to be done. You know, for example, um, with CBD, there's some laws that have passed last year or the year before saying that CBD will soon become um, legal to purchase over the counter. This is great. I think it's great, but it has to be regulated as in, you know, Mm. you can't just sell whatever you want and just call it CBD and nobody's double checking. Mm. You have to know that too much CBD is probably not good, but not enough is not going to help. So you have to have the right amount and you have to have the right regulation to make sure that the consumer is safe in what they're buying. Um, but it can't be so heavily regulated that we're trying to turn it into a pharmaceutical product. So I think for me, the ideal, ideal outcome would be, but I, I have no idea if that would ever happened is to, you know, um, change where THC and CBD sit in the drug schedule in Australia and then make it something that is um, prescribed by naturopath or, you know, people who are really, really knowledgeable in the plant-based medicine world.
1: Yeah, that makes complete sense.
2: The other thing that we could do and that thing that we are trying Mm. to do as businesses is to educate doctors and nurses and pharmacists Mm. because they're all keen to prescribe, you know, but it's not not easy for them to even understand because it doesn't have the same, um, you know, really regulated steps as you have to take two a day for seven days and then this is what will happen. So cannabis is not like that. So it's difficult for doctors to even know how to prescribe it. It's more of something that you have to just trial. You have to start with one drop and then after a week if you feel like you're feeling okay, then you you take two drops and then three drops and then you know you have to really feel into your own body and how it feels and then work together with your doctor or your the nurse whoever is is helping you and figure out what works for you. There's not just the one solution for everyone we're all different
0: and every plant is different i don't know if this is the right wording but how do you harvest your product and turn them into hemp seeds
2: i don't know how much of our secrets i can share oh Um, true (laughs) but i mean all i'll say is that we work together with some amazing farmers who have and we work with australian farmers but also french farmers and the reason is because, as I mentioned before, Australia is really behind in the hemp industry. Um, but our aim is to bring the knowledge from other countries, such as France, you know, to Australia and work together in collaboration so that we can bring this knowledge to our country. Um, but I guess we work with those farmers who grow the hemp organically. Um, and then. We have um, equipment, I mean, actually, we work with a manufacturer in France and they have the whole equipment there and I can't really explain how they do it, but it's very minimally processed so that the shell is removed and there's some secret techniques to make sure that, you know, the shell and the heart, which is the seed without the shell, we call it heart, is um is not mixed together and we get the really pure product and the only thing i can say to you is that if you try our hemp hearts and then you try somebody else's hemp hearts in australia you'll taste the difference if more people can try our products the only way is that they will realize that actually you can do so much better Mm. with hemp you know you can make it taste really good and nutty and creamy because a lot of even some of my friends you know they eat hemp, and they're like, oh, I don't really like it. It tastes bitter. And then I give them my brand, and I was like, have you tried this one? And they just can't believe it, how different it tastes. But it's all in the way that it's processed, so I can't i can't share this secret, but I'm hoping that we can work with, um, you know, Australian um, farmers and manufacturers to implement that here and grow the industry in Australia because I think there's so much we can do with hemp. Um, it would be a shame really not to to give it a go.
0: So, which countries are leading the way when it comes to hemp because you said Australia's got some catching up to do, but which country should we look towards?
2: I mean, I don't want to be biased because obviously you can hear my French accent, but I think France is really is really out there when it comes to hemp because the difference between Australia and France for example, is that Australia banned hemp crops. They banned hemp crops, they banned hemp foods, they banned everything. And it's only become authorized again, legal again, just a few years ago. But uh, see France or China or Canada, they didn't do that. Canada was way more advanced than Australia in terms of hemp foods, China as well. And you you have to remember that actually hemp is, is an Asian plant originally anyway. So China would definitely have a lot of advance in that area um, in this food category and potentially the cosmetic category, although they've recently banned hemp seed oil in cosmetics in China. But France, I know, are more advanced also because they have the construction side of things, which um, we, we don't have here in Australia yet. So you could be building a home with, hemp crate, which is, you know, a replacement to hemp concrete, to normal concrete, I mean. And it has a lot of properties. I'm not fully across it, but see, in France, there's a lot of people building houses um, in in hemp. And in Australia, it's a very, very, very new thing, but a few people are picking up on it, and I hope it can grow. I, hope, I really hope the government could please invest in this, And help us as businesses to, you know, get the equipment that we need to be able to do those things in Australia because it's such a huge capital investment. Um, you know, it's a lot of R and D um expenses. So if we could do that, if we as a country, you know, we could get the backup of the Australian government to invest in those things, then there would be no stopping us. We could do houses, we could do paper, we could do fuel, we could do clothes you know everything that i mentioned before it'd be amazing
0: Marion, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today it has been such a delight and for everyone who wants to try out her delicious amazing hemp products which i do sprinkle on my breakfast every morning i'll put links in the show notes below
1: this podcast please give us a five-star review and share it with someone who you think would benefit from it we want to help as many people as possible live healthier lives This podcast is general in nature. We aren't doctors or health practitioners, but if this podcast has prompted something for you, we really encourage you to make an appointment with your health practitioner and get advice that is tailored to you. This podcast is recorded on the land of the Gadigal people of the Eora nation. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples.